Campbell family basement in Aurora, Illinois, this is Austin Danger Podcast, your number one source for all Austin Powers and Austin Powers-related news, film analysis, and friendship, as well as a celebration of one of the great film trilogies of all time and the many, many people who brought it to us. As always, we are Kevin McKenzie. McKenzie, how's it going? I'm partying on. I'm feeling excellent. How are you? Oh, what a big night. What a way to close the road to the Pentaveret. It's almost (laughs) over. (laughs) Feels crazy to say. That, like that vein in your forehead's going to finally go away. Uh, now that we're almost done. It's true. That'd be great. Um, and this is a particularly very special week. This is one of the biggest things on the wheel. Mike Myers' first feature, Wayne's World. Austin Powers himself. Now, let's roll the clock back to January when it was announced kind of against our will that we were going to be doing an Austin Powers podcast. And all of our friends found out, thanks to Instagram and their lovely algorithm, One of the best reactions that day was from our guest tonight, a man who stood up above all the rest and said, and I quote, LMFAO, bravo on the title, looking forward to the Wayne World invite. (laughs) We welcome him now. If you listen to this show, you likely know him as the host of the incredible Synonauts pod, as well as the disgraced former producer of 70 millimeter, Ian DeBorja. (laughs) Welcome to Austin Danger Podcast. How are you? Hello, hello. I would like to say that for people who have seen me chat in Discord, I'm not known for fixing any typos that come across. So calling it Wayne World is extremely on brand. And I <laughs> believe that is exactly what happened. Honored to be here. It fits in nice with ADP's kind of improv brand as well. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> so Ian, you know, you're the first guest on our show and, and we're trying some stuff. We're workshopping some things. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about what we've been watching, we'd like to get to know you in a segment tentatively titled Just the Three of Us. You and I. Basically, um, let our listeners know. Maybe they don't know Synonauts or don't know you. Um, kind of your background and your background with Austin Powers. Mm. Yes. Hello, listeners. Uh, I'm Ian, <laughs> as uh, the lovely Kev introduced. I'm currently the host of... Uh, the Synonauts podcast, which is a part of the Tape Deck family. Um, on that show, Boom and Catcher, my two Canadian co-hosts, we uh, each month, or I say month loosely, but we always are taking random breaks and stuff. Every four weeks or so, we choose a movie <laughs> from the Criterion, and then we select other movies that we think were influenced by said movie in the Criterion collection. Um, when this comes out, when is this coming out? Monday. Monday. Next so. Monday. By the time this comes out, our new episode will actually be uh, a new cycle of exploration of the Criterion. We're starting with a Criterion movie called The Hero, which like is a 1960s Indian film um, that is from there. It's our first Indian movies. It was Boom's pick. Very exciting. Um, yeah, so that. And then you could hear me on other podcasts I used to do. I used to host uh, IMDb's Movies That Changed My Life podcast, where I would talk to various uh, Celebrity is about the three movies that changed their lives. Um, very fun podcast. I had some old personal podcasts as well. So various things along the way, but uh, I'm very happy and honored to be here. Uh, in, in terms of Austin Powers, Austin Powers. So growing up, my parents did not care what I watched. I, I literally would ask my mom to rent me anything and she would just rent it. Like there were no rules of like what I was watching at home. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have like vivid memories of watching like Terminator when I was like, in first grade, um, things like that. Uh, she also took me to Scary Movie in theater 
when I was in fifth grade that I remember like she was laughing at everything, but I wasn't laughing at much. Um, So that's when, you know, maybe she made some adjustments to what she would take me to theaters for. Uh, But Austin Powers, I remember that coming out because I love, loved Wayne's World, still love, which we'll get to, I'm sure, later. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I saw a new Mike Myers movie, I was like begging her to rent it for me. So we watched it um, with like, you know, my dad and my sister probably. Uh, And I remember just like thinking the movie was infinitely funny, even though I obviously didn't get most of the jokes. Um, I have very vivid memories of quoting things and saying them around the house and having my mom tell me like, don't say that. I remember used to, I, I would, I, I, I remember I would always say like, are you feeling Randy? Uh, just like to people. And my mom would be like, you cannot say that to people. Um, yeah. And I, it's just awesome powers will never get old. That movie is still perfect and has aged so unbelievably gracefully. Cause if like, you told anyone on paper what this movie's the show's the movie is about, you would just immediately assume, well, this is gonna be something that you cannot watch nowadays. But you can. Right. Like one mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. like one hundred percent of the jokes are still good. Or, you know, something like I, I don't know about I don't know the second and third movies nearly as much as the first one, but um you know, they're all still good and they're all still funny and they all still land, which I think is super hard, especially in comedy. Um so I, I love turning it on. Every time I, I throw on awesome powers, it's just a blessing. So moving on to kind of what you've been watching, Ian, mm. I know that you do on Cinenauts what you've been watching segment, mm-hmm. um, but is there any movie that you want to talk about that you watched uh, recently? <sighs> yes. Um, let's see here. Yeah. So I watched The Northman. Uh, I am a big uh, Robert Eggers guy. I was a little nervous that they were going to pull some punches on Northman because this is his first like major studio film but they didn't for the most part and in fact i think they were able to blend like popular uh viewing with like the eggers like edge to it and i think it worked really well like i really loved it i think it like might be my favorite one of his um let's see yeah i know and i i love all his movies so it's like it's just picking it. it could be like recency bias type thing but i really really loved it it was so fun to watch um Let's see. And then, I mean, we haven't been, we've been watching like a lot of TV lately. Um, like, but like nothing, no like series. Like for some reason, Shark Tank has been on a lot in our house. So <laughs> I love Shark Tank. Love watching deals get made. Uh, and then I watched Miami Vice, which is this week's Synonauts episode. Um, interesting movie. <laughs> yeah yeah that's um that's a word for it yeah please listen uh because if you have seen it even honestly even if you haven't seen the movie you could probably watch it listen to it anyway because there's like borderline no plot to that movie uh and that is something we discussed at length on the episode um yeah what if the uh what if the in, in the air tonight scene from the miami vice pilot were an entire two and a half hour movie right it'd be incredible <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> nuts. I also saw The Northman. We went in uh, in Dolby, which mm-hmm. is always super impressive. You saw it too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dolby was the way. I loved I loved how clear the distinction was between the studio stuff and the crazy Edgar stuff. Mm-hmm. Where like two characters talking about a clear goal clearly versus Willem Dafoe spinning upside down. Yeah. I, 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 I hate to say this about my girl Anya. Uh, we all know my undying love for Anya Taylor-Joy, but she just felt like she was the studio ad. I feel, I wouldn't be surprised oh. if Eggers had a version of this movie with no 
love interest. Like, it, like Anne's character maybe mm-hmm. could have been there, but just like as sort of like a witch, as like she's introduced like a sorceress. And I, I, I guarantee you, there's a version where she's just a sorceress and they do like weird shit together. I, I kind of sense that like the love aspect was like a, a forced hand. Um, <laughs> just because there wasn't real, like I guess the lighthouse is like a love story in like a way, but this is like a very traditional quote unquote film love story. Um, and I actually suspect that that was one of the changes that were that were pushed on by the major studio. That's fascinating. I have to. I can't wait to, until like they, you know, not to be pessimistic about it, but give up and put it on Peacock already, mm. uh, so that more people <laughs> will see it and take it the chance to see it because it's totally worth seeing. Yeah. And then um, I could watch it again and kind of revisit all that in that context. Yeah. Um, the other big one I wanted to share was the unbearable weight of massive talent. Mm. The new kind of um, surreal comedy about Nicolas Cage. If you've been to the movies at all in the last 18 months, you've seen this trailer a thousand times. <laughs> yes. Um, and it totally somehow works and it lives up to it. it honestly, this is a very extreme thing for me to say. And everybody knows how kind of mild mannered I am when I'm excited about a movie. Um, it is everything I would want in an Austin Powers type movie today in terms of the kind of <laughs> surreal comedy. Really? It's very weird. Wow. Like wow. it worked for me so well. I don't think it's going to hold up on a second viewing at all. Mm. <laughs> but but in the moment it was it was true enough. It worked. I ca- I haven't seen it yet, but I suspect that's a movie like in a theater it would probably be way more fun like with yes. a with a lot of people. I imagine watching it at home with like one, you know, your partner or whoever, it might not hit the same levels of like absurdity. Yeah. Um, just because like that seems like the kind of movie like you really ride off the crowd and group energy type thing. But I am right. excited to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, same. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for people to see Unbearable Weight also. That seems like one that a lot of people are going to wait for VOD. Um, mm. So that's going to be exciting. Okay, Mackenzie, your turn. You know, I really love Bring It Home. Uh, I did not watch a lot this week because I was dealing with yet another cat health situation. But I'm looking at my letterbox. Um, <laughs> I had a day of just dumb movies. I uh, watched Jersey Girl, uh, <laughs> 2004. Uh, what is who is uh, what's his face? Clerks. Um, You'll get there. Wow, You'll get Kevin there. Smith. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Uh, yeah, I. It, this is the is a it is one of my guiltiest guiltiest pleasure movies of all time. Uh, there's like five movies I watch with my grandpa, and they're like <laughs> Jersey Girl, America's Sweethearts with Billy Crystal and John Cusack, that thing you do, <laughs> his favorite movie of all time, and then like analyze this and analyze that. Three of movies that are Billy Crystal vehicles, but um. Yeah, so Jersey Girl holds a weird place in my heart. That's like literally like the one thing I watched this week because I was so busy. So, uh, you know, big week for me watching a really kind of poorly aged Ben Affleck um, coming to fatherhood film from 2004. <laughs> <laughs> um, so really wanted to end this section with a thud, mm. you know. Uh, I have a lot of fond memories I'm of Jersey Girl. I'm endeared by it. I'm very endeared by it is the thing. There's a lot of jokes that made me go, ooh, now. And, but, you know. The little girl is amazing. The Sweeney Todd section is perfection. Um, I it is a movie that I weirdly I love. <laughs> I don't know why, and it is the I think one of my most unpopular opinions is probably that I enjoy Jersey Girl. A uh, great George Carlin performance in Jersey Girl. George Carlin's great in Jersey Girl. Uh, that's one that people you know that was a casualty of the first Benefer Fallout. Mm. 
Really? Because J-Lo, J-Lo, I believe, was the mother. She was the mother. And she they did cut it, her yeah. out, basically. Well, she's like, well, she dies early in the. Uh, That's pre, true. Pre, but yeah, so she has to so. be dead so that he can screw Liv Tyler. So. It's a uh, Kevin Smith movie. This is as you know. This is as far as that end of the spectrum goes. There's a really great Patrick Willems video actually about about like Kevin Smith's oeuvre and like how Jersey Girl was this moment where he tried to shift to a heartfelt studio film, and because Ben Affleck was in such a low career point, it just flopped. And then he Kevin Smith as an artist just like shifted to the total opposite side of the spectrum and is what he is today. Um, so it was really interesting. That's a great video actually giving a lot of context to Jersey girl, which made me kind of view it differently. It was kind of fun, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's my Jersey girl conversation, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm there sure. I'm sure it links. <laughs> Undubitably it does. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on? Let's do it. Whoop it news. What does it all mean, Basil? Okay, this is the end of the road to the Pentaveret. Next week, Austin Danger Podcast. So I married an axe murderer. Two weeks from now, the Pentaveret. Okay. <laughs> so so here's here's a, I had a question. So we are all pretty media literate in a lot of different ways. We're very active in film, Twitter, mm-hmm. and in, mm-hmm. in the community, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Um, we're mm-hmm. in a bunch of different communities for movies. We're always talking about them all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian, Indeed. you are formerly of IMDb. Mm-hmm. How Disgrace. how much <laughs> disgrace of IMDb and seventy disgrace millimeter? Of yes, IMDb, disgrace yeah. disgrace in That's two true. of the largest film <laughs> platforms uh, on the globe. How much advertising are you seeing for Netflix's new Mike Myers starring miniseries, The Pentaveret? I. Didn't know what you guys were talking about the first time you brought up the Pentaveret. That's a little that this movie like has struck a chord with me. That 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 much I would say, like zero. Yeah. Um, do you know it comes out next Thursday as of this recording? Oh, as you're listening to this on Thursday, watch the Pentaveret if you want. Um, we are uh, the most advertising Netflix has done, and they're not even paying us. Yeah, so I live in a city that is a giant billboard for a million things. Netflix Bridgerton ads are still up. <laughs> and, you know, this could go two ways. Netflix has so much content. They don't advertise everything. Sometimes it works. Like like Bridgerton and, and uh, Stranger Things famously, fam- Stranger Things is the best case of all. They're, they did not advertise that show. Mm. It just came out. Uh, I think Bridgerton was pretty lightly advertised other than like it was a Shonda Rhimes project. So this, maybe they're like, this is going to be another sleeper hit. Maybe my, maybe Mike's got one more in him or five, Mike. five Mike's have one more in him, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, well, I was talking to Kev earlier. I was like, if we've learned anything in the last month or so, it's that Netflix is bleeding money and does not know what to do with it. And they've, I feel like they've famously introduced t- terrible watching models and have gone quantity over quality. And mm-hmm. I think people are just burnt out with their content and they don't know how to advertise it. They waste all their money on a four-year consideration campaign for one movie all year and then they don't know how to market anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was saying in uh, the 70 millimeter VHS Village that, you know, news came out today that Netflix bought Inaritu's uh, next film. And mm-hmm. I'm like, the first thing Netflix does after having 
the, for the first time ever losing subscribers is buying an art house film from a director that people by people, I mean, popular culture probably cannot name or care about for an award, like strictly for the reason of winning an award show that less and less people care about every year, you know, like it's, it's, it's an amazing first statement for Netflix to make after this disastrous like press cycle that they're in the middle of. It's really impressive to see. Um, but hey, good for Inaritu. He deserves whatever money they paid him. I, I mean, you know, I, I think it, it just totally contradicts the action of saying no to David Lynch, which still bugs me. I still don't understand that. Like, yeah, I mean, HBO Max really has has their shit on lock right now. Like, they're I, I was telling Kev, like HBO Max and Apple TV, they're going quality over quantity. They're advertising their stuff well. They're investing in popular f- stuff as well as some cool art house auteur stuff. They just have a good balance and they know how to do it. And they they're not trying to shove a ninety eight princess witches down our throats. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, they're giving us new Scorsese. You know what I mean? Like, it's just they're and I don't know. It's just. It is kind of satisfying to see the fall of Netflix. I will not lie. It is kind of tasty because I have no stakes in it. So I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this with popcorn. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, speaking of the 70 millimeter VHS village, I did ask uh, there today if anyone had heard of any kind of advertising for the Pentaveret. Um, Our buddy Dave only knows it's coming because of me saying the word Pentaveret on this show. When you, I don't think, I was behind. I don't think I listened to the episode where you first talked about it, but when you said the Pentaveret and the wheel, I actually thought you guys were talking about Lost. I thought you were doing a Lost <gasps> reference. Oh. But, but then I looked up Pentaveret Lost. I was like, no, that's not a Lost reference because the wheel from Lost, right? I don't know <laughs> yes, if you've yes. seen it. It's like season five or whatever. I, I was like, is, that, is a Pentaveret another reference? Like that's how unaware I was of the name of this movie. If we didn't do a podcast that was mildly centric on Mike Myers and Kev didn't tell me about it, never would have known. Yeah. Guarantee you. Yeah. Yeah, no one, no one said, no one said they knew. Someone saw the trailer months ago. The Mike Myers <laughs> fake Instagram that an intern ran. I guess that intern had to go back to class because, like, it hasn't posted in a month. Literally, mm. um, Mike Myers was on. Here's an actual piece of Austin news. Mike Myers was on the Dana Carvey David Spade podcast. I think it's called Fly on the Wall. Quite a name, and um, he mentioned the Pentaveret for about 30 seconds. He was very quiet about it. He really didn't seem to want to talk about it. He pitched it as what if five people ran the world and they were nice. So that sounds fun. Um, it does have like mainstream stars in it, like Ken Jong and Keegan-Michael Key. Um, I don't know, you know. <laughs> what if this ends up being the best thing we've ever watched? I don't think it will be, but what if? Could be. What if? You never know. After last week with the Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'll believe anything at this juncture. Um, <laughs> I will never live that down, I think. Maybe. <laughs> it's called living my truth. Yeah, okay. please continue. Danny Haas, it. fight it's me. It's possible. Um, just, just, to, just to hammer it in further, we had an Instagram poll. 85% of you said that you hadn't seen anything. I'm wondering where the 15% is seeing ads because I'm, I, we use Netflix all the time. I'm not seeing them there. Yeah, there's not even like a coming soon for it. They usually have that as like their hero it's image. It's non-existent. Yeah. It's very weird. Although, I don't know. Um, again, they said no to David Lynch and yes to man versus B with Mr. Bean. So I don't know. Which will be covered extensively on Austin Danger Podcast. I oh, no. Time. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> You're not going to watch it. Um, so, yeah, things are a little uncertain right now about the Pentaveret. I'm going in with an open mind and open heart, which has been my motto this year. And I've been rewarded with amazing things. So, mm. 
Look at you. Food for thought. Um, <laughs> and you'll hear all about it in two weeks here on Austin Danger Podcast. We make the content people want to hear. Austin <laughs> Danger Podcast. All right. It's time <laughs> for our feature presentation. Hell Finally. story of two best friends, Wayne Campbell and Garth Algar, who host a public access TV show out of Wayne's mom's basement in Aurora, Illinois. One night, Big Bad Rob Lowe tricks the boys into selling the rights of their show to him for a measly $5,000 each. While at first the boys are thrilled with the deal, the network's restrictions and the big-time studio environment start to create tension that ends with Wayne being fired, throwing their friendship into jeopardy. On top of all this, Rob Lowe's been putting the moves on Wayne's new girlfriend, Cassandra, the lead singer of the up-and-coming band Crucial Taunt. Will Wayne and Garth reconcile? How will Wayne get back in Cassandra's good graces? What does Alice Cooper know about Milwaukee? All of this and mm, the delicious taste of Pizza Hut live from Aurora in Wayne's World. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the bandango? Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, 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 Galileo Nice. Beautiful. Ian, what is your history with Wayne's World? Why did you why do you why did you want to come on for this episode? Wayne's World is the single greatest comedy ever made. I will die by that statement. Uh I I've I I was trying to like in earnest calculate how many times I've seen Wayne's World. And I this is like not a superlative number. I am fairly confident I've seen it at least 150 times. Like min, <laughs> like min, like honestly, that is a minimum. Because when I was like, when I was growing up, um, I have I have two cousins. One is my age, and his younger brother is two years younger than me. Um, when I was like 10, my uncle showed me. He he like showed us Wayne's World, and then I like became obsessed with it. I like I honestly watched it every day like over like my cousins would come over in the summer i would go to their house for like babysitting over the summer and like we would watch it every day and that was maybe for like three summers in a row you know so like i'm calculating like you know let's say let's say three times a week uh like i was kind of like 12 times a month uh for like times three so like 36 even more than that maybe 200 plus like and then I think wow. every year since then, I've watched it pr- at least two or three times a year, like ever since then. Like I just like always throw it on because I love this movie so much. It like single-handedly has made uh, it. I like look at comedy because of Wayne's World. Wayne's World has taught me like everything I know about comedy and uh, many other things, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But it's just the perfect movie. Like there's not one weak second of this movie. And the thing with Wayne's World is that it's funny when you're younger and like don't get all the jokes and then you grow with the movie like the movie gets funnier as you get older because like not to jump into it like in, like the 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 pizza hut thing that uh that 
Kev reference. Like that sponsorship thing is funny when you're a kid because it's like, oh, like, haha, they're wearing like brands, right? Or they're like doing a mini commercial. But then like when you're older, like it's funnier because they're making fun of like people who are selling out and like sponsoring their content when they were like independent creators. Like it's just, it gets funnier with age. And for some reason, all their jokes that they were writing at the time are still basically all like relevant in today's like media circle and like that. It's just, I mean, what's not to love about it? It's just perfect in every way. (laughs) Kev, what about you? So for me, Austin was first. I had known about Wayne's World, but I hadn't watched it until high school. At the same time, I was having like the classic rock phase that Mm. you have Mm. when you're you're a teenage boy, right? Or whoever. Um, And yeah, it totally rocked my world. It was just so much fun. It had a lot of the same... You know, really crazy, surreal comedy, but also the heart of the first Austin Powers that makes it so special. And I was really struck by that then. Um, and obviously, it's just a really amazing comedy to what, to what Ian said. Um, on this watch, I was shocked to feel uh, reverberations through creator culture today. Mm-hmm. Right? What's What's so different? than like, uh, what's that good mythical morning getting that big deal and then mm-hmm. like backing out of it basically after a little while what's the difference between that and the plot of wayne's world very little it's crazy (laughs) it really struck with me but yeah no this is an all-timer obviously um although because austin came first i think austin is the one that really taught me comedy that same way Mackenzie, had you had you seen it no i've never seen wayne's world before and it's funny you were like i saw this at a time where i was you know it was formative for me i don't know if i would have appreciated this at another point in my life than right now Mm. kind of weirdly like Mm. because the last you know coming out of college years um i my music taste has shaped more into classic rock Mm. and i do play bass now Mm. and so it was like i loved watching cassandra because i was like oh that fiesta red fender are you fucking kidding Mm -hmm. me um because i know exactly that guitar and i want it so bad and it's like it had a lot of themes and things that i have grown into in recent years and so i don't know if i ever would have appreciated it as much as i did with this watch at a different point so it kind of like i'm glad i've never seen it because i think this was the perfect time for me to see it and uh i'd obviously seen clips of like the sketches on like snl clip shows or whatever so i knew the vibe of the guys i knew party time excellent because everyone knows that but i'd never seen the movie and i don't even know what i didn't know what to expect but it was just like delightful i couldn't even handle it it was just so delightful i thought mike myers was cute the whole time mm. said, excuse me is he cute in this movie you can't deny What's that going can't on? deny that mullet that's why he's so cute the scene i mean i'm jumping ahead but the scene where he was being really sweet with cassandra in bed i was like why is he so adorable in this scene i can't get over it like i thought mike and dana were just magic and this was just a really really delightful movie oh, i am so glad i watched it that warms my heart i was nervous after hearing your first impressions of <laughs> after raiders my raiders and- of the lost time <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, but I'm, you I'm know, glad. Part of the joy of the show is that our our blind spots are like opposite each other. Mm. Mm. So sometimes, you know, we'll we'll hear stuff like like Raiders, which is like a crazy, like interesting new crazy take. blind spot. I don't me, usually. Yeah. It's a crazy blind spot, and then we don't usually hear opinions like that. <laughs> Which is awesome. That's true. And when Kev, you know, completely obliterates Charlie's Angels t- 2000, I mean, that'll be that'll be my heartbreak. That'll be the moment I die. 
Willem Dafoe sharpening knives. He's waiting. Oh, God. Any week now. That's the movie I've seen 150 times. Mm. I can tell you that. Honestly, again, 2022 is the year open mind, open heart. I'm ready to Mm. like Charlie's Angels. (laughs) Um, But yeah, talking about Wayne's World. I'm wondering, Mackenzie, what's like the biggest thing to stuck out to you that we can kind of start with? Because you're the first time viewer. Um... Oh, wow. There's there's so much. I mean, I guess like um, I didn't realize it would be so plot light. I mean, there's mm. a plot, right? But I didn't realize it was going to be very like sketchy and like mm-hmm. bits kind of connected, like bits connected by this loose plot. Right. Um, and, then, and then like by the time it, there's like 10 minutes left and they haven't wrapped it up, I'm like, what is ha- what's going to happen in 10 minutes? <laughs> like I was I really didn't know what to expect with it. Um, but I was just like, yeah, I was really charmed by like I've always I've never I don't think I've seen a lot of Mike Myers content, um, nor Dana Carvey. Like I said, my experience with Dana Carvey is like master of disguise. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I, they were so perfect in this movie. I like didn't, they were really what struck me was this sort of, they were just such, they're so wacky, but these like deeply believable and natural and adorable characters. Like I was so charmed by them that they like, they kind of blew me away. Like I really, I thought Mike's performance especially was so, amazing how talented he is like i like he's very chameleon like most physical character-based comedians are but it was just really really cool to see them as so in their elements so good like they're both so good they just feel so lived in like the way Austin, yes. uh, the way um wayne just like walks when he when you first meet him and he's like walking around the house and he's introduced you like his like swagger a little bit it's just so even like the way he high fives people and then obviously since garth is such like an opposite you can just feel like a friend their friendship being so real uh you know i think that really like adds adds to the realism like we, what you two were saying with best in show like it's not they they live in our world like austin and 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 garth or austin uh wayne and garth right so um it's cool just like seeing that all work out yes i agree and I love, you know, it's it's a testament to the strength of those characters and also a strength for creating characters that Mike Myers has. And I think the difference between the Mike Myers characters and and a lot of the other SNL sketches that become movies that you see are are that depth and that heart. And you believe Wayne and Garth here in a way that like you already loved them from SNL if you're at that time seeing the movie. But even if you didn't, you fall in love with them right away. You believe them as real people. It's it's like amazing world building for a, a joke sketch show, you know, a mm-hmm. joke comedy sketch about Aerosmith. And and same with Austin Powers, right? You can feel the love for this subject, you know? Bohemian yes. Rhapsody, the punchline is not on these dorks singing Bohemian Rhapsody in the car. It's a scene celebrating doing just that and right. being yourself and expressing yourself through what was it had i believe had been a forgotten song at that time yeah it was yeah yeah that song like that Mm -hmm. that scene basically brought that song back to popular culture which is so (laughs) wild and hilarious What? yeah yeah Uh, i think that song is inescapable yeah (laughs) because because of this movie uh and my, my favorite part of that scene actually i mean obviously there's many parts but the best part is at the end when Wayne and Garth don't know the words of this of the ending and they're just both kind of <laughs> dancing and they're like moving their mouths but they, they don't know the words it's maybe something you'll catch on on more watches Mackenzie but I I thought that they were just messing up no 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 they like, don't know the words I was like what is like, this cut did they not yeah. no one knows this? the words no they don't know the words yeah it's, it's so good <laughs> yeah I could see I could see Dana Coverage going 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I realize that I'm on a podcast and so no one can see me, yeah. but like just moving his They're little lips around. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? Uh, it just speaks to a truth, you know, just like the way that Austin Powers approaches James Bond with love while tearing it to shreds. Mm. Um, Wayne's world is all about the love, obviously of rock, but of who you are right down to the, you know, we're not going to take it kind of UHF storyline. Mm. Mm-hmm. I almost always connect more with, with comedy and satire that is made from a place of like deep adoration and love than malice. And like, I, I don't, I don't find like cut down comedy yeah. to be funny. Like I would rather them just be clever and love the thing yeah. they're talking about, which this does, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And so many like little lines made me laugh. My first one that made, got like an out loud laugh for me was Phil, um, if you're going to spew, spew into this. That's I literally say that whenever I hold a tiny cup like that, that <laughs> will instinctively come out of my mouth. That was absolutely the first big like a belly laugh from me for yeah. this movie. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> What's your favorite scene, Ian? As someone who's seen this 150 plus times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, the scene I always come back to and I think is like the best scene in comedy history is the scene with Alice Cooper. Mm, yes. <laughs> because that move that scene like explains America in a one minute better than most movies try and do most serious movies try to do over the course of two hours or anything so don't be afraid my name is Wayne and this is Garth <laughs> nice to meet you guys so do you come to Milwaukee often well, I'm a regular visitor here, but Milwaukee has certainly had its share of visitors. The French missionaries and explorers were coming here as early as the late 1600s to trade with the Native Americans. In fact, isn't Milwaukee an Indian name? Yes, Pete, it is. Actually, it's pronounced Miliwake, which is Algonquin for the good land. I was not aware of that. I think one of the most interesting aspects of Milwaukee is the fact that it's the only major American city to have ever elected three socialist mayors. Does this guy know how to party or what? Huh? huh? He encompasses like an American history lesson and like why you shouldn't acknowledge yourself as someone who was from like, you know, uh, native land quicker than documentaries are able to do it. And it's so fucking funny because it's like Alice Cooper when like you see him right before. And then the second after that scene happens and Wayne goes like, does this guy know how to party? What? That's it. Like it's over. Like he does the hand kiss thing. Like that <laughs> is like, it, I just like love that scene so much. It's like teaches you everything you need to know about America in like this super <laughs> compressed way of uh, explaining it. And like, even now, like it, like, of course it's like a rock star explaining it to you, which is like how much more like 2020s America can you get like getting like political history from like your favorite celebrity or rock star at the time. Right. It gets all there. <laughs> it's all there. It's just, it's, I, I love that scene so much. Yeah. Plenty of others. The gun rack scene is a classic for <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> it's so stupid. I don't have a gun or numerous guns that I would use to hang this up. Whatever the line is made me laugh yeah. so hard. Why would I need a gun rack? I mean, every scene is just, it's, it's hard to rank them all. <laughs> what about, what about you for your, for Kev or, or Mackenzie? Yeah, Kev, what's up? I mean, it, it's hard to deny Bohemian Rhapsody. I was so surprised how early it shows up in the movie. It's like the first thing that really happens to set you in the world outside of the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was very surprised about that. I forgot that Rob Lowe was in this movie, so very surprised. Mm. <laughs> also, yeah, Rob Lowe f- ordering the Chinese food. That whole scene is so good. Like the way they go over, Garth is like, you know, how to steal the women. And he reads like, daily reminder, buy cable access news <laughs> show and exploit yes. them. Feel bad. Like who wouldn't want to be those guys? And then like the way he orders the Chinese food in Mandarin. I mean, every, I mean, everything about it is, is, is just so funny because again, like everyone knows someone who would be like that. Like someone comes home from college, uh, uh, studying abroad and all of a sudden they're like speaking a different language kind of. And, you know, I don't know. It's just every character just feels so perfect. And, and obviously like Rob Lowe is just like the perfect casting for that character. Uh, it's just, he's so good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really loved just to bring her into the room. Cassandra was super fun. <sighs> yep. Cassandra, I mean, Tia. she's hot. Tia. She kicks ass. She plays bass. She's <laughs> wailing on some like Jimi Hendrix songs mm-hmm. and doors. And I just like, she's a badass. I loved her. And I loved her and Wayne's relationship. I like genuinely, like I sometimes like, you know, with older comedies, you mentioned like, you don't know how they age. And sometimes when I hear a joke being set up, I'm like, my little haunches go up and I get nervous. And when he was like, gonna start trying to speak Cantonese to her, I was like, oh, is this gonna be racist? And it was just like, he just learned this language and she's endeared by it. And they're just having a full conversation. And it's so cute. I was yeah. like, what the hell? I love this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it Cassandra is just, she's just so badass. Also like, Again, I mean, there's like, you were talking about punching down. There's like zero punching down of her character yes. in any way. Like she has a successful band. She's a lead singer. Like there's nothing, there's there's no joke about what she's doing. There's not even one joke about like, oh, like a, you know, a girl who like is a rock. You know, I can't even think of like a joke that would make sense there, but uh, nothing is punched down and it's just, it's just so fucking good. <laughs> and their relationship, like, you know, by the, runtime has to be quick right but right. it doesn't like ever feel forced or weird and like I, said, I think one of my favorite scenes was them laying in bed because i loved him just like running around the room with his little like him doing the belly dance thing and just trying to make her laugh and i put it in my letterbox review him doing marilyn and the pink bra made me laugh my ass off it was my favorite part of the movie <laughs> i just thought he was so cute and they're and, like her laughing at them like their relationship felt really lived in tell me when that first show is over Will you still love me when I'm an incredibly humongoid giant star? Yeah. Will you still love me when I'm in my hanging out with Ravi Shankar phase? Yeah. Will you still love me when I'm in my carbohydrate, sequin jumpsuit, young girls in white cotton panties, waking up in a pool of your own vomit, bloated, purple, dead on a toilet phase? Yeah. Okay, party, bonus. Yeah. Oh, hi, Anthony. Who's Anthony? Who's Anthony? My drummer. Okay. I also love the idea that, like, she's like, I'm not going to fucking pay rent. Like, people are going to pay my rent. And she's like, puts on a show in her, like, <laughs> in her loft. <laughs> like, that's a fucking rock and roll, you know? Mm-hmm. She's so cool. Yeah, I do love that she's, like, always just the coolest person he's ever met. And, like, yeah. he just gets to be this sweet, adoring boyfriend. Um, also, she, like, just has an accent because, like, they didn't find... Like they allowed her just to have her accent, which I think is very yes. cool, yeah. right? You know, and they don't make fun of her. They're yeah, never, like yeah, it's like sometimes they get nervous that there's gonna be something weird, yeah. and there just wasn't. I was like, wow, no. what a what a freeing feeling yeah. that they're not gonna be weird about anything. Yeah. So good. I do also love. This is apropos of nothing, by the way. 
but I completely forgot about the Laverne and Shirley shot for shot <laughs> parody yeah. in the third act, which is just like the greatest thing of all time. Yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah. The, um, like, I was wondering what this was referencing. There was a couple references I did not get, and that was one of them. Okay, let's go. Yeah. I know there's a Terminator reference I didn't get. That right? is correct. I was, end, yeah. I was furious. Because and um, the only reason why I know it was a Terminator reference is because in the credits he's credited as like T one thousand or something, and I was like, that seems like Terminator, and I don't know, I don't get that. Yeah. I was, it is, I, it is also the same actor who plays him. Like it is, it is him. Um, he's same, in something else I watched recently he, he too. Was, I feel he like was just in a Peacemaker TV show. If you watch that, he's, he's excellent. That. He's excellent. He is very good at that. Um, also, Terminator two had come out like five months before Wayne's World, so somewhere <laughs> in the autumn which like Terminator 2 had just come out. They filmed that scene, I guess. The Grey Poupon thing, that was a commercial, like a really oh popular God. commercial yes. at the time, I, right? Yeah. I was watching that like, like how do I know about it, A? I don't even remember how I learned I about it. I know about it because of the, I used to be a freaking obsessed with the VH1, I love the 70s, 80s, and 90s <laughs> right. things. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I absolutely learned about the Grey Poupon thing from, from the I love the 80s or whatever. I was just like, Man, that's the one, like, everything else is kind of in a time capsule and is fine. You can kind of build out the world for yourself in a way that I think probably will age well. Um, oh, yeah, it didn't, like, deter me. I was like, oh, these are vague, but I don't care. It's like, ah, great Poupon. <laughs> hey, I still use Dijon. I love Dijon. I'm a True. Dijon fan, too. I was hoping Farley would, like, fall into something. I'm surprised they didn't have Farley throwing his body around. That's true. Also... <laughs> I mean, Farley, like that whole end thing is also just so funny to me because they like, you know, the satire is also just like about like structure of, of, of storytelling also where, you know, when they find out like, like, wow, what a great bit of piece of information to hear right now. I wonder if this is going to come up, you know, going to come up later. <laughs> and then when like when they meet Farley, Farley and he said, they're going to go to Milwaukee into Chicago, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they walk away and goes, you know, it's a lot of information for a security guard. Just like all these like little <laughs> things where like, if you're watching a serious movie and they do this, you would tell whoever you're watching with, like that security guard, like should not know that information. But like being like the, the comedy and like the, the style that they're writing, they just, they just say it out loud and it just like, it just works, you know, perfectly. I, I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just perfect how they do that. Yeah, it's like self. It's like self aware that it needs to have a plot, mm -hmm. even though it is a film of bits. They're like, we know we have to have a plot, so we're gonna acknowledge that we're building one out for you, uh, and that's where the comedy kind of comes in. Because like, yeah, I like when they bring it back later, where they're like, "Wow, wasn't it great that we heard all that information right. earlier?" Right. <laughs> so you know, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a good bookend. All of the kind of meta stuff too, where the characters are talking right to the camera, give the mm -hmm. movie a whole feel like they're telling you the story, like it's their film anyway. So. You know, maybe there could be like an Aaron Sorkin Wayne's World where, where it's very darkly realistic. <laughs> two, two boys from Aurora manipulated by evil Rob Lowe, right? Oh, um, but this is how Wayne and Garth tell the story. And it's this funny light thing that's full of jokes and, you know, they're being self-referential about it because it's them telling you about it like over dinner or something. It's a really cool feel. Mm. Yeah, Ed O'Neill as the murderous donut shop owner. And when when Wayne has yeah. to correct him, like, only we talk to the camera, okay? Yeah. Why is it that if you kill a man in battle, it's heroic, but if you kill a man in the heat of passion, it's thank murder? You. Thank you, thank you. I love the the like the army of character actors in this movie, right? Like, yes. the debut, the Austin Danger podcast debut, I believe, of Meatloaf. Wait! Hey. How you doing? Hey. Garth! 
Hey, Tiny, who's planting it? Jolly Green Giants, Shitty Beetles. The Shitty Beetles? Are they any good? They suck. But it's not just a clever name. <laughs> Who else? Uh, Crucial Taunt, and they're just finishing the set. I hear they can wail. You're right. Party on. Party on. Yo. All right, wait. Brian Doyle Murray with the greatest voice ever in cinema mm-hmm. opening the movie already kind of letting you know consciously that it's going to be kind of a cartoon because he has like one of the great cartoon voices ever. Um, the phenomenal Kurt Fuller, who if there was ever an executive in a movie, this guy like was made to be that character. And he made the movie so much more real within all of the silliness, even though mm-hmm. he gets silly at the end in one of my favorite scenes. Uh, what else did you have? Kev or or I mean I could talk about anything in this movie. It's true, Mackenzie. I know I'm looking to see what I haven't mentioned because um, I, I feel like like this is another movie that much like last week I just kind of like didn't know how to take notes about because I just was like having a good time just simply watching the movie. Uh, I loved though I think that Wayne uh, spoke to me more as a character. Uh, I did love a lot of bits with Garth. I loved his playing drums because isn't that just Dana Carvey? Isn't he just that is him. He is a very player? good drum player. Yeah. Yeah, like that was awesome, and I loved his little foxy lady dance. Yeah, um, yeah. his little his little ears, his ears. he did. I saw in the <laughs> credits there's a choreographer specific to that sequence. It was like foxy lady choreographer, there Suzanne, some, whatever. There is another like there's a, a cake recipe in the credits. There's something like that, or like a there's a pie what? recipe. There's some something like that. I, I can't remember specifically what it is, but there is some sort of weird thing in there. Which uh, I didn't notice that is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. No, Garth is fun. I loved his little dance, um, his little thrusting. Yeah, though it was silly to me. I thought yeah. it was fun. Yeah, Garth is based off a, a reason. I think Garth feels very lived in is because Garth is actually based off of Dana Carvey's brother. Mm. Um, mm. So you know, like the way he talks and all that sort of stuff. He said like it's very much an homage uh, to his brother, which I think adds like to a lot of it, and I think a lot of, a lot of care to the character. You know, it's interesting you said that because I was listening to this uh, podcast with Mike Myers today and I noticed that Dana in real life today, like last week on a call, has a lot of Garth's nervous energy. Yeah. You know, he often he often will like rephrase his sentences at a lower pitch after he says something or kind of over explain something. He'll, He'll be very nervous about the things he says. I was very I don't know. I was struck by that. I don't know if this is only for the Dana heads, but uh, he does have a relatively recent stand-up special on Netflix. Oh, is that any good? Uh, yeah, I mean, Tara and I enjoyed it. So, uh, but again, I don't know if it's only for like the Dana diehards, but it is a. Uh, it, it was definitely fun to watch. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Let's see. We talked about. I'm just trying to go through. Okay, I love the Oscar clip. All yes. of the all of the meta title cards, the, the the subtitle joke that foreshadows the gold member subtitle joke. Very interesting through line to discover on this rewatch. The, the when sub- he said, "Do you kiss your mother with that mouth?" I was like, "That's a line from Austin Powers' Gold Member." Yeah. <laughs> the the part where he he it takes less to express what he's saying uh, than in English, so he's and they're sitting, just sitting there. there. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Hilarious. Zang. Um, the uh the gratuitous sex warning <laughs> yes hysterical. yeah uh, i love i love how meta this movie was i wasn't ready for it I, I guess i had forgotten about it i know that there's a very major and prominent parody in wayne's world 2 that is like cutting edge like the week after they they wrote it 
Yeah, I I actually have only seen Wayne's World two a handful of times. Interesting. Like, uh, only really? a couple. Not because I don't like it, but just because like if I'm gonna watch Wayne's World, it's, it's gonna be Wayne's World one, um, which is obviously often. Uh, I I do I, I keep meaning to, to go back in the Wayne's World two, but this new this new box set their like steel steel case that came out it's only Wayne's World one um that i bought from like best buy a couple months ago they released it for the 30th anniversary sure um i actually thought wayne's world 2 was on it when i bought it not that i wouldn't have bought <laughs> it anyway um but it's only only the first one's on there so i, I do need to get to rewatching uh number two again well you know uh mike myers is the star of wayne's world 2 and he was in austin powers so mm. i just want to say the final i'm not even going to read the whole thing but the final sentence of the description for this film on Letterboxd is Garth handles the advances of Mega Babe Honey Horny. Okay. What the fuck? I forgot about that. <laughs> it's that I was... na- Honey Horny? <laughs> I was too busy rewatching the Doors parody scenes over and over again. Honey Horny. Wow. <laughs> well, oh my God, James Hong is in it's in it. Oh there's my lord! Of, there's a lot of people in Wayne's World too. That is crazy. Well, I'm excited to see Christopher Walken. Wow, I'm excited He's, to watch. This yeah, Christopher Walken's like a pretty big character in it too. Yeah. Drew Barrymore, Harry, she- like literally every person you've ever seen in a movie ever is in <laughs> <Yeah>. this movie. <laughs> what the hell? Scott Coffey, famously in one scene in Mulholland Drive. Wow, <laughs> you know, it got everybody. There you go. Um, do you guys have anything? <laughs> they else? even got Scott Coffey. <laughs> okay, so with that in mind. Mackenzie, as the first watch, you get first call. What is your final thoughts and star rating? Oh, yeah, I don't. Wait, oh, we should go over the star rating. Mm-hmm. In uh, you've listened to the show, but just as a recap, we have a star rating. Uh, uh, five stars is yeah, baby, yeah. Four stars is psychedelic. Three stars is all right. Um, two stars is Scotty don't, and one star is ouch, baby, very ouch. Right. <laughs> We should, we should snip that and just paste that in every week because, boy, is that a <laughs> mouthful. Um, but Mackenzie, as this was your first watch, what your final thoughts and star rating for Wayne's World? Yeah, no. I mean, I thought it was delightful. I had nothing but a good time watching this movie. Um, I, I just It just made me smile the whole time. I had a lot of belly laughs. I loved Mike in it. I loved Dana in it. Um, you know, there. I think aside from the occasional reference I didn't get and maybe me coming in with different expectations re like level of plot. <laughs> Those would be the only downsides, but like they're, 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 I don't care. <laughs> they were, they, I had so much fun. I don't care. And so I think like realistically, because I want to give it time to grow, I'm at a four star shagadelic, but because mm. I am so imbibed with like talking to Ian and you Kev, I, I just feel like there's nothing I didn't like about it. So why not go with it? Yeah, baby. Yeah. There for tonight. There it in is. honor, in honor of the guests. I, I, there was not anything I disliked. That's... Sometimes I'm like, how do I give a movie five stars? And I guess in my brain, did I dislike anything? No. So that's what it is. That's what I want to hear. And you know what? Better than Raiders of the Lost Ark. Canonically Star, so. better than Raiders of the Lost Ark here <laughs> oh on Awesome I had more, Podcast. I had more fun watching Wayne's World than I did watching it. Raiders <sighs> of the Lost Ark. Mama, mama, Whoa. mama. Not entirely unexpected, but still shocking to hear it in real life. <laughs> you know, we already <laughs> lost half of our listenership last week from my takes, and now we'll lose the rest. And that's it. And we'll just have Ian. That's no, it. No, yeah. Come on. They'll come back for the Pentaveret. They're dying to hear about the show they've <laughs> yeah. never heard of. They will you're be back right, for that. You're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, um, you know, it's just, this was a great, I love talking about this with you guys, and, and it was a really great movie. And I, I like want to watch it again, genuinely. I, I hate that I only rented it. I should have just bought it because I want to watch it again. Amazing. Again, as our guest, your thoughts? I mean, 
confirmed. Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I even need to say anything else? I'm just glad. Uh, you know, with, with older comedies, it's always like hit or miss. If people watch them for mm-hmm. the first time, and with most movies, you know, obviously nostalgia plays a factor. But I'm glad that my stand true, my my uh, uh, die for stance that this movie absolutely holds up whenever you watch it uh, worked with you. It totally does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think the thing I had it at four stars, it was a BLB. I hadn't I seen it that, in a long yeah. time. But the thing that pushed it over for me this week to a 15 star ultimate. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the thing that pushed it over is like seeing the parallels today in in us here doing this in you with Synonauts, our friends, other friends at Tape Deck and beyond who all do podcasts, uh, the YouTube channels that you watch that are just some guy in their bedroom, you know? Um, everybody is Wayne's world now. We live in a world where you see Wayne's world happen every day, which I had said earlier. But like, it's totally wild to me. It's this weird postmodern read that could only have come with time. And it's like nuts. I don't know. Could be just a crazy stoner theory, but like, it does have a lot to say about influencer culture and corporate sponsorships and the danger of those things while being the surreal, the surreal fun Wayne's world movie. Kevin's galaxy braining right now. It's got a lot going on. It does. All right. So with that, it's time to do our little show. I'll go through it as quickly as possible. We have a lot going on tonight. I love gold. Um, No real awards action here on a studio comedy in the early 90s starring an SNL star. Um, So the AFI has recognized it, not officially on any lists, but these have made the short list. Um, It was... (laughs) shortlisted for 100 years 100 laughs didn't quite make it afi's 100 years 100 movie quotes schwing and we're not worthy we're not worthy which they did once because they do it on the show i don't know afi um and then 100 years 100 songs somehow bohemian rhapsody didn't make it on the list um okay so those are some awards that wayne's world lost and uh (laughs) (laughs) great um, the Alan Parsons Project. This is our segment where we go through the connections that Austin Powers has to the outside world. Ton of connections in this one, so uh, please excuse me. We're going to go through them quick. Uh, obviously, Mike Myers. Uh, the Cat in the Hat. It's coming. The cat in the <laughs> no! Hat. It's coming. Oh, Underrated. Um, we will talk about <gasps> the Sprockets movie that never happened on that episode, and that is going to be quite a story. So stay tuned oh. for that, because that's how they got him to do it. Um, I'm really excited to watch Behind the Candelabra on Austin Danger Pod, which has Rob Lowe in it. Oh, okay. Really surreal. Michael Douglas is Liberace and Matt Damon mm-hmm. as his assistant and lover. Mm-hmm. Um, wild ride. Um, Robin Ruzan, who's a waitress in Wayne's World, wrote the lyrics, apparently, to both Dr. Evil song parodies, as well as material for Austin and Mike for kind of the International Man of Mystery episode of Saturday Night Live with Armageddon's own Aerosmith as the musical guest. Mm. Crazy. Um, She's also thanked on the credits for being John Malkovich, so it links. Um, Character actor Mike Hagerty is also in this. He's in Spy Who Shagged Me. He's the peanut guy. Mm -hmm. He screams nuts, and that's how we get there. Um, he's Davey in Wayne's World, and he's also in Dr. Detroit, which is a, just a putrid Dan Aykroyd vehicle from the early 90s. It's just a mess. In the camera department, Monty Swan. In the art and props department, James Betts, who gives us Critters 3 and 4 crazily. And Henry F- Will Ferrell, Land of the Lost Humphreys. Uh, in the stunt department, <laughs> Hannah Kozak, Brian J. Williams, Gary Price, Pat Romano, Returns from Small Soldiers, and Anthony G. Schmidt. In the makeup department, Catherine Gordon. In the music department, Norman Gimbel. 
And those are the people who worked both on the Austin Powers series and Wayne's World, bringing us to this incredible night. And this week there are no yous over there, but if you want to send us something and yell at me about liking Wayne's World more than Raiders of the Lost Ark, you can email me at austindangerpodcast at gmail.com, baby. Yeah, we're here for you. Uh, are you surprised <laughs> that new Mike Myers content is coming in two weeks? Let us <laughs> or, know. Or I guess you're listening to this three days? Craziness. Let's get crazy. And we are not rolling this week because next week we are diving into So I Married an Axe Murderer, so I don't get to roll movie whatever. Uh, but we're going to watch a Mike Myers movie I have also never seen. So a lot of new content from Mike Myers to my, to my eyeballs in the last two weeks. Also, I will say this is the first Austin Danger podcast event, but it is certainly not the last <laughs> anytime soon. So stay tuned for announcements on that once we're past it. Oh, and thank you, Ian, for being with us yes, tonight. Thank, thank you, you so for much. coming thank, and talking Wayne's World. Thank you for having me. Honored to be the uh, the first guest. I was deeming Kev. I was like, am I actually the first guest? If so, hello. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you know, much. well, you know, you did call it. I did. You called it. I, I will talk about Wayne's World in any capacity to anyone at any time. Let the record show. You do a Wayne's World podcast where you just talk about just Wayne's talk about World, World over and over and over again with different people. <laughs> you do people. one of those like what is it uh, minute, minute of, yeah. podcasts? Yeah, <laughs> oh that would be amazing. Could do I'd that. listen. Could do um, that. Well, listen, you are absolutely more than welcome back for uh, Wayne's World Two, which is still mm. on the wheel. Mm. And also, I would like to extend the offer to you to become our Paul Thomas Anderson correspondent because pretty oh. much all of his films link. Um, we have done Hard Eight already. Yes, you have. Which is a great film. It is. Yes. Let me know whenever. Whenever. Absolutely. To quote Shakira. Let's do it. And there you have it. So next week. (laughs) I love that song. Next week, it's finally over. We're here. We made it. But until then, for Mackenzie and Ian, this is Kev. Austin Danger Podcast. Peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, McKenzie. Thanks for listening.